What is the thing that we can all do to really support the growth and development of this child and raise their own belief in what's possible? The educational landscape has shifted. The social mobility is very segregated. Therefore, politically, the same thing is happening. The decisions you make around that child's education are of paramount importance. What can we do that would make educators' lives better? How do we make change that you can see in the classroom? They don't have summers off. They're not on a break. Most of the time that kids are not in school, teachers are still working. To impact our urban public schools, to impact the life of a child. We really wanted to elevate the profile of our city as well as elevate the opportunities that exist in education here. I'm Jen Maestas, and you're listening to Miss Education. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are super excited to be launching season five of Miss Education. I am here with my best educator friends. Um, outside of Carlos, they are the loves of my life. I'm not even going to try to pretend that that's not true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty certain I end every call with them with I love you. And it's because I do. I, I like legitimately love these women. And I, I think that I'm better because I know them and because they continue to talk to me. Um, I heard somewhere that you become some kind of mean or average of the five people that you hang around the most with. And I, I hope that that is true because these are the people that I hang around the most with and I admire them and look up to them. Um, and I'm, I am like eternally grateful that they continue to show up to the things that I ask them to show up to, which today is uh, a wine fest and a podcast recording. <laughs> so we are virtual um, mostly. And if the audio sucks, that's why. But we're still going to produce um, some quality content for you. Uh, we've been thinking really hard about everything that everybody has put up with and has gone through and has grown through. And we've settled on a season where we highlight the work that's being done in our city coming directly from the people who are doing that work. And so we've spent a lot of time talking in previous seasons to people that I would consider grass tops that maybe we don't always on a day-to-day -day basis have direct access to. And this season, I felt like it was time to hear from some of the grassroots. Um, and I, I say that lovingly because that's where the growth is, right? And that's where the good stuff is. Um, and so we're going to try to hear from us and hear from our educator friends that are still on campuses and in classrooms, even during a global pandemic. And so we thought it would be fun to start every week with a mantra. And for those of you who don't know what mantras are or who don't have a personal mantra, I don't know who wants to, who wants to do the explaining. Well, first of all, who's here? I know, we do. I was like, oh, we're going to go So to tell everybody who's here so people know who you are. Hi, all. It's Sook. Um, I didn't realize Jen was going to make us cry as the <laughs> intro for today's <laughs> podcast, but I'm super grateful to be a part of this amazing group of five women that I look up to very much so um, and love very dearly. Hi, everybody. It's Veronica. 
Yes, and we are here having um, wine and um, just having a good time and being able to come in here and connect and be with my besties is a wonderful feeling at this time right now. Hey guys, it's uh, Jenny, Jenny Rosas. Um, I was just telling them a little bit ago that Wednesday is my favorite day of the week um, because it's the day that I get to come together with them and, and be in community, both on a personal, but also, uh, but also they help me professionally. And so I'm happy to be here. And we're so excited for season five and just the, the content that we have planned for you. I'm Jennifer Benavides. I am the newest member. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very excited to be here with you. Um, I just humbled by those in which I get to serve every day. And so looking forward to the work that we can do to produce for teachers and for educators whom we love very much. We would just add an extra level of confusion by having three Jennifers on our board. <laughs> so good luck to all of you who try to figure out which one of us is talking tonight. Um, good luck. So we, we're going to launch the season with a personal mantra. And this is a mantra is something that you say over and over. Um, it can be something that starts your day. It could be something that just gives you a little bit of life force. This one means a lot to me, and I've had to say it a lot. Um, and, it, and, and I wouldn't even say, like, it's seasonal. This is just something that I have to say to myself all the time. I don't know what that says about me, but I think there are probably people who feel the same way. So the mantra that we want to give you tonight is, you are not alone. I don't know. I don't know who needed to hear that today um, besides me, but you are not alone. Um, I don't know. Anybody want to jump in on why we picked that or what it means to you? I think that um, in listening to that, like I, I, I obviously definitely needed to hear that tonight. I came in um, and just went from here's my day, like, okay, here it is, to walking in to this building with these ladies and just being super excited and um, revived. Is that, mm -hmm. like, right? Is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> like, just so excited. Mm -hmm. And it is because I'm not alone. I'm not alone, especially when I walk through these doors. Um, and I know that if there's ever a time when, I even just feel it and we're not together. I know I could call any of them at any time and just feel instantly connected and know that someone is there for me and I'm not, I'm not alone. You're not alone. Thank you. And that's a really good mantra, both in a personal sense, but I think more than ever in a professional sense. Um, for what we're being called to do in the season that we're being called to do it in and to the degree of which we're, we're having to lean into our work right now. And so I think if, if all of us stick to the stick to this mantra and we tell ourselves this through the work, um, it's going to make it, it's going to make it bearable and it's going to make us get through this season because I know that this is temporary and I know that there's other people doing it alongside with me and in, in buildings across the city across the state, across the country, across the world that are trying to give kids an education through a pandemic. Yeah. Um, so you are not alone. 
Mm-hmm. You are not alone in trying to continue to to be there for students and to be there for your communities and for your other teacher friends. You are not alone. Yeah, I think, too, the pandemic alone, the pandemic has forced us to understand this concept in ways sure. that we've never understood before. For sure. And I think the work around what we do in schools every day is about encouraging each other. And so for you, you are not alone for me means that I can now look for ways to uplift somebody else mm-hmm. in this journey because the journey is just hard. Yeah. And the sooner we can own that difficulty, <laughs> the sooner we can walk with a smile on our face yeah. every single day because we know that we're not alone, right? Because yeah. there are people that are fighting the same battle alongside us, even though we might not see them physically every day, or we do see them every day, we just fail mm-hmm. to acknowledge them, right? Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I think that's what's so important is that we hold to that truth that we're not alone, that there are others fighting the same battle in, in similar ways. And it's just hard, but we can still uplift each other in the process. I went to a conference and I, um, it was around educator wellness and I saw some data and one of the points of data was around physical health. And the presenter said that according to the Mayo clinic or the Mayo clinic, um, the United of the United, the entire United States population, only 2.7 Americans meet the four criteria for healthy living. And those four criteria are being sufficiently active, eating a healthy diet, being a non-smoker, and having a recommended body fat percentage. <laughs> so I was like, should I got three out of the four? But I, <laughs> and, and, it just struck me and I was like, well, wait a minute, but I'm actually not alone, right? Like 97% of the population is just like me, where some of the some of the check marks are there, but not all of them. And I actually found a little bit of comfort in that. And I also thought like what Jen was saying earlier, um, there are, we could we could lift each other up in that too. Like we we can be the support system around what healthy living looks like. Because when you, when your physical health is failing, your mental health is failing and mental health has been on my mind a lot lately, um, mostly because I'm trying to stay sane, working from home, um, schooling from home. Thankfully, Elise is back in school. The boy, everybody is back in school uh, to some extent. They're not full time. I don't, (laughs) I don't actually know what my boys do during the day, which is like really (laughs) bad. No idea. They have the option of going. I don't know what they do. They're they're a sophomore and a senior, and you know, I trust that they're doing what needs to be done because I see their progress reports. I mean, that's the god's honest truth. And uh, Elise, you know, she I have to she has to be where I am unless she's at school and she's thankfully back at school. But my, I will tell you, like, my mental health was on the brink when we were trying to do all of the things from home. Um, and so this has just been something that's been really on my mind. And I have to remind myself, like, I am not alone. Like, the things that I'm feeling and the the ways that have been challenging are not, they're not singular struggles. Like, other people are are experiencing something really similar, if not the exact same thing. And And it's... 
even though it seems like it's been a really long time, it's actually seasonal. This is going to pass. And I have really, um, we have in each other a network that can help us push through those times when we feel like I'm the only one, I'm the only one who's still working from home or I'm the only one who's having to do this bullshit, whatever it is. Right. But we, when we, when we say what it is that's bothering us or that's weighing on us, we often, I have often found that I'm actually not the only one. And there's data now that supports that I am not the only one. <laughs> I am not alone. <laughs> I do. I'm also, I also do not know what my son does during the <laughs> He has every parent so in COVID. He's not back on campus though. So, you know, and like everybody else, right? Like we have a ring. And so I will see him. <laughs> coming outside and I'm like what are you doing it's one o'clock like what 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 are you supposed to be in class he's like it was a break it was this and I'm like and and like Jen I am assuming he's doing what he's doing because I see um I mean well actually actually I'm I'm just gonna be out there um I haven't seen a progress And in case you're wondering, we are all advanced degreed educators. <laughs> I love that. Oh, uh, actually, no, I haven't seen it. So sad. I love it. Oh. I mean, I love it. I, I did see my third grader's report cards. He has numeric grades. Don't get me started on grades because... <laughs> I will go down this whole rabbit hole about why they're social constructs and we don't need to do them anyway. Like I'll just lose it. But then my child has a 78 <laughs> and then you lose your shit. Yeah. And you're like, why aren't you reading? Yes. And then I looked at his lectura, which is Spanish reading. And I'm like, you have a 94. It's okay. You can read in Spanish. <laughs> you can't read English, but you can read in Spanish. So we had a conversation about it and he's like, I'm just not taking my time. Um, yeah, but but even through that, I know parenting, I've had some you're not alone in parenting moments yeah. too through this. Yeah. Um, because I do feel really isolated. I I guess also as a mom, I'm like, man, I must be the only one going through that as well. Right. But that, no. that's not true. No. I'm not alone in, in trying to parent through COVID through COVID as well. Um, but I I think just the isolation that all of us are that we all feel is real. And, um, right now I was thinking about like, just the whole concept of what has made me feel like I have people around me and y'all, this is, this is literally what I do. I go to my text messages and I think about all the threads of people that I have and all the continuous conversations I have. I have my salty group. I have my like leaders in SISD group, David Nungaray, (laughs) Stephanie Hawk, like there, I text them constantly. I have a WhatsApp with my family in Mexico City. I have a WhatsApp with my teachers on my campus. I have a a group with my sister, my mom, and I can literally send them a screenshot of anything and they will not judge me for it. And sometimes I do realize that I'm like, I feel really isolated. I instantly have to turn to those threads and those text messages and know that I have a really, really strong community of people that are doing life with me and that are going through this with me. And that the entire world, whether... Like there's no, you know, I always think about some things that humans, what shared experiences we all have. 
and things that we can move forward from. And this is the one shared experience that we will forever have. Mm-hmm. And, and how we all felt through this and how, so I'm like, I beat myself up for not journaling for the last year as intensely <laughs> as I should have. Um, and just taking notes here and there uh, on things that I'm processing. Um, but just the feeling of isolation creeps in constantly. And so I turn constantly to my text messages to know that I have a really strong network and have a lot of people that are in it with me, whether it's through parenting or just to tell them like, this really sucked or this is really cool or this is really fun or something to look forward to. Um, and then my, my go-to of why I don't feel I said, I don't, I know not everybody has this privilege, but my partner um, has been the one that I just have leaned on through this. I think the last 10 months has proven like who we are as people mm-hmm. is deeper than who we are as a marriage. Like we just, yeah. it really has grounded us into, into humanizing each other and, and really putting a level of respect for each other's presence um, like never before. So I'm super grateful for that as well. If you have the privilege of having someone um, having a significant other, I think that that, that also was brought to light during this, mm-hmm. during this time. Yeah. See, I'm the opposite, right? I don't have a significant <laughs> other. <laughs> I'm the only one out of this group of five Thank beautiful women that gets to be single. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you like it, you should have put a ring on it. Um, but I don't got no rings right now. But I'm actually really grateful for that because I get to find different people to lean on. And, you know, I people often say that the pandemic has caused folks that are generally extroverted and had a bunch of friends to feel a little bit more lonely because you can't do the things that we've normally been able to do. You can't go out. You have to make more of an effort to actually build relationships. And it's been so amazing for me because I've had to be really intentional about the people that I am connecting with. And so, um, you know, there's a great book, uh, by Abby Wambach that I really love and I wanted to share with you all listening and it's called Wolfpack mm. and she put, she gives eight rules and in those eight rules there's old rules that you we've generally been told to ourselves and then there's new rules it's a really short book so if you haven't read it I really recommend it um, and the, there's two of them that I wanted to share that I really like the third is lead from the bench so the old rule is wait for permission to lead and the new rule is lead now from wherever you are And her call, yeah, and her call is, if you have a voice, you have influence to spread. If you have relationships, you have hearts to guide. If you know young people, you have futures to mold. If you have privilege, you have power to share. If you have money, you have support to give. If you have a ballot, you have policy to shape. If you have pain, you have empathy to offer. If you have freedom, you have others to fight for. If you are alive, you are a leader. And so this rule really spoke to me throughout 2020 because y'all ladies know it was a tough year for me. Um, and I really had to challenge myself from leading from the bench and figuring out what our role actually could be. And I know a lot of the educators out there feel the same, right? You're in a classroom, you feel like you don't have a voice, you feel like you're being told what to do. Um, and we've got to get creative on how we find our way to lead, whether that means using your voice, whether that means giving some, giving your free time to a cause that you really care about, figure out a creative way to lead. And the last rule that is, is find your pack. And the old rule is you're on your own. The new rule is you're not alone. You've got your pack. And so that's really the theme of this podcast episode tonight. So we really want you all to hear from us. The reason we're all together sharing with you is because we have our pack and this is what keeps us going. So really think about who can be in your kitchen cabinet, who can be those group of people that you call when you need to vent about a three-hour strategy call that went way too long. Um, And so find your pack. You're not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. alone. And listen, if you need a pack, 
we're here. Absolutely. We are totally a hundred percent here. You know, part of the other, the other piece of the, um, training that I was in this week talked, they asked questions like they did a, a qualitative study of teachers. They surveyed a thousand teachers, an organization called EdChoice, and they asked um, this group of teachers, how disruptive has coronavirus been on each of the following? And the first one they asked was your personal routine. Mm-hmm. And it was like overwhelmingly um, 44% said very disruptive and 37% said somewhat disruptive. So basically three quarters of the people who were interviewed said their personal routine was highly impacted by COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, same for our family and household routine. 41% said very disruptive and 35% said somewhat. And then for your community's routine, said very disruptive and 36% said somewhat. Um, And so it just made me think like we're in a moment of total disruption (laughs) and I don't like being disrupted. (laughs) I like being the disruptor. I don't know that I like being disrupted and you know, I, I think that if it were not for this little tribe that we've formed, it would have been so much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though we aren't in person, we aren't not the way we used to be. Um, I still know that I can, like Jenny said, like there's a text thread. And like mm-hmm. Sook said, like, I know that there are people in my in, in my proverbial kitchen cabinet that I can go reach, reach to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it matters so much. But more than that, I mean, even if I never reach out to them, because I think Bonnie and I are very much alike. You've heard us talk about this before. Mm-hmm. Like we're not reacher outers. Like mm-hmm. I, it, but the fact that I could, if I needed to, mm-hmm. is enough for me like if I needed to reach out I knew no, I know who way. I would yeah. right like yeah totally I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like mm-hmm. take full advantage of the people I could reach out to but knowing that I could is enough most days I just need to tell myself like you're actually not alone you're not alone yeah absolutely I think about right now Sook was talking about how people that I'm I'm obscenely extroverted right so like <laughs> three to four like days through obscene and obscene. Like, no, so so it's, it's like awkwardly I'm socially I'm socially awkward and I'm awkwardly social <laughs> so <laughs> like three to four days a week we would spend it people with at someone house or at someone's house like we were in community with someone three four to three days a week minimum and then COVID, COVID <laughs> shut that shit down real quick. Um, but, you know, I always think about like, man, it's so hard for me. Like, I don't get to see people. But I think the counterpart of that, too, is people that are not as social beings. And now they're even now they're just forced to not be in social settings all the time. And so I'm like, they really need that that time. And so I think salt, one of the things that we're trying to be that we have to be creative about during the last 10 months was how to create those settings um, for all of us that are working from home or that do live alone or that um, are naturally introverted people. I'm super also cognizant of that, that you're not alone because I think physical separation has made us feel that way at some point um, this last 10 months. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that too, about all the people that 
had their cats and their dogs yeah. and their plants. And that was it. Yeah. Um, and they were okay with it. But I think for true social and, and the, the humans that we are, we're not islands. And so that's, this is just your, your reminder that if you are talking to a plant, <laughs> <laughs> we're here. We're you, are not alone. you are not, alone. not alone. You are not alone. There are other people that are also talking to plants and that's there right. are also, also people that understand what you're going through and understand the last 10 months that you've had and just the, the isolation and the forced, yeah. forced seclusion that we've all felt. Um, and I've, I've gotten to a point now, maybe like two weeks ago, I'm like, when, when is it over? When do I get to, when do I get to like be, be with the people that I want to, everyone, even strangers. Like I will take a straight nail. And then you have me. (laughs) (laughs) Because then you have me. It's like, um, do we ever have to go back? I like this. This is good for me. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good because yeah. I am like very much so an introvert, even though some people are like, no, you're not. And I'm like, but I have to be very comfortable yeah. around you in order for me to talk. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me being in the house or not going anywhere because like Jen, I'm socially <laughs> awkward. It is. It's a dream come true. I'm like, no, um, you know, you COVID. heard of that COVID, right? I'm sorry, can't make it. <laughs> sorry. We're in a pandemic. I can't do that. <laughs> do you know where I work? Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so sorry. I'm so eager like I, to, to see people. I'm crossing all these boundaries. I, I, am, I am like on the line, right? Where it just We're depends on the day where I'm like, You're yeah, you know what? I, I miss the face-to-face <sighs> social stuff, but I also feel relieved of uh, of the pressure I felt to show up places yep. that I didn't necessarily want to be. Yep. Um, so I'm like, I, I it just like. depends on the day. I don't know. Like just depends, but I know I'm not alone. I know yeah. other people feel that way. Yeah. So one of the things stuff that you brought up, I was like super interested in this, um, Abby, um, Wombeck and her work. And so Love she has her. a quote on the front page of her website right now. And it says, it's time for women to know the power of their wolf. and the strength of their pack and I just love that for salt when Uh you think about how introspective we've all been through the pandemic in regards to who we are as people Mm -hmm. as educators women parents children mentors sisters daughters um you know lovers whatever it is and then think about the support systems that we all have in which to encourage and push us forward um there's so much power in that and knowing who we are individually but then also knowing how we fit within our support systems whatever it is right whether it's the plant or the spouse or the kids or the parent right um whatever that we are all in this together and I think that brings so much power to the work that we do for kids because our kids feel like they're alone. Mm, yeah. Yes. Our kids feel like yeah. they are mm. the only ones drowning with 
you know, school and that they're the only ones that can't log on to the damn Zoom or so hit true. the mute button. The mute button just won't work. And they're trying to talk to their teacher and it's just not going. Or they're the only ones that can't upload documents in Canvas. And um, no, there's so much for students yeah. um, too and leaning on each other. And I think as educators, we have to preach that. We have yeah. to preach that word to the students, to our students and to our parents that they're not alone we're in this together and we are here to um to support and we want them to reach out like we want them to call us up we want them mm-hmm. you know flooding our emails and flooding our phone lines and we want them saying hey i need help i need something because what i'm doing is not working and that's what we're here for and i think we're all very passionate about mm-hmm. that mission um that we we live by every day in education for sure. I love that you said that, Jennifer, because what that made me think of was sometimes as a as when you're leaning on someone, you feel bad for venting to them. Yeah. So right? uh, oh man, I keep giving this person an earful. And 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 at the same time, the person on the other side probably needs to hear it. Like that's what they need to feel like they have a purpose too. And them being able to listen and give you feedback in whatever form that you like it. You know, I always think it's really important to tell people like, okay, I need you right now just to listen and accept me complaining or like, okay, I need you to actually help me out of this. Like give me constructive feedback to help me think better thoughts or think about what I can do constructively with my time to make me feel like I have more power or whatever it may be. But at the same time, you know, we, we often assume what other people are thinking rather than just uh, asking, you know, and I think, and most of the time the assumption is actually, no, I really like it when you call me invent or it, it, I enjoy being there for you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's one other piece of data that I saw that I'm like, oh my gosh, if this is how you're feeling, take six advice and call us and say, here's how I'm feeling. Uh, Let give me some feedback on it. Um, the other question they asked teachers, this uh, EdChoice firm, was how much have you considered leaving or retiring from the teaching Ooh. profession in the last three months? Ooh. So Ooh. we asked like this know. circle. Do oh, we want, I know. Oh, do we want to answer that question? Turn it off. <laughs> how <laughs> much have you considered leaving or retiring from the teaching profession in the last three months. So they asked us in December, they asked a thousand different teachers. 23% said a lot. Wow. 30% said some. And those were from teachers who were under 55 years old. Now the over 55 year old club, said they thought about retiring, 37% of them said they think about it a lot. In the last three months, they've thought about <laughs> no, it a lot. Sure. It's all those Zooms they have to figure <laughs> I out. Know. Canvas. <laughs> Canvas. Oh, Canvas. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then 26% said they think about it sometimes. So overall, under 55-year-olds, 53% of them are thinking about leaving the teaching wow. profession. And... Over 55, 63% of them are thinking of retiring. And they captured some of their feedback. So here are some of the quotes. See if any of these hit. Yeah. (laughs) COVID-19 changed education. And I think there's no going back to normal. It's made teaching extremely hard. 
COVID has made everything so much more difficult. I was already contemplating retirement, and this has made it clear that it's time. COVID, the COVID situation has completely undermined education and teachers. Mm. Teachers are still taking the brunt of the criticism, working more hours, and not being compensated as they should. There are very few jobs where you put so much of yourself into them only to have society publicly trash your profession. Mm. It's too stressful, and there's not a lot of respect. The requirements for teachers continues to grow and expand, while the pay continues to freeze or decrease. Teaching is getting harder and harder every year. They put more demands on the teachers and less responsibility on the kids and parents. I'm expected to take care of students' emotional, behavioral, and academic needs with no help from parents or the administration. I thought that was so depressing, you guys. Like, I, I, I'm glad that there are half of the people who don't feel that way, but I'm sad that half, more than half, half to more than half, um, feel like this, is, this has changed everything for them, and they're thinking of leaving the profession. And so I want to just say that no matter what group you're in, you are not alone. And it's okay if you're thinking these things. And if you want feedback on them, find a trusted friend. Find a a trusted Mm -hmm. thought partner. Call one of us. We don't want you to leave the teaching profession. I was just going to say, um, that made me think of a really good idea. We're, uh, by the way, SALT, San Antonio Leaders and teacher, Teachers, is in the process of raising funds for 2021. So if you guys have idea, I thought we should start a 1-800-TEACHER hotline. Yeah. People can call so someone to vent to. That's a great idea. That is. <laughs> So the thing that I was thinking about is really early on in the pandemic last spring, um, all of us here in this, in this, um, on this podcast had a conversation. I don't know if y'all remember about the COVID-19 effects and the worst thing that could happen would be an exodus of any type of educators because of how like every single one of us has had to hire and coach teachers and, and equip them with, with the skills, knowledge, tools, all of it, social, emotional support to be able to do the work of teaching students. And so I, I, throughout these last 10 months, that has always been in the back of my mind that like an exodus of any type um, of teachers would be detrimental. Yeah to schools. And so I think that it's going to take a lot of us. It's going to take state school district, a a lot of us to really, once this is all over, and I know we keep on saying that, that term, like in the, in the greater context, like when this is all over of how, how we can address everything that these teachers were feeling, whether it was being undervalued and overstressed, um, the job demands, um, pay, and the overall impacts of the, ch- the shifts in education um, from the pandemic, I think all of them need to be addressed. But I, once again, I want to reiterate that, that the feeling and the thought of like leaving and finding solutions because 
we care about kids and we care about schools, you're not alone in that either. And also I, I feel better knowing that I'm not alone in trying to find the solution right. for the bigger problem. Right. And I know that there's lots of, of nonprofits and organizations and, and teachers trying to say, okay, this is hard. How do we, how do we make it better? And then um, how do we make teachers feel better? And how do we make them sort through these feelings of being undervalued and overworked and the impacts of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. So you're also not alone if you're trying to work through that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that, that a lot of teachers in San Antonio, we want to scale up. We want better things for our students. We want better schools for the city. So you're not alone in that either. COVID-19 is not going to deter us from demanding better schools for our kids and doing the work to get it. We're not alone in that, in that fight either. No. We're not going to stop. Maybe you need a change in role, right. change in district, sure. change school, school changing your school, but mm-hmm. the fight's not going to stop. And you're not alone in wanting to continue that pursuit even through, through a pandemic. And, mm-hmm. and after the full effects of the pandemic hit, whether it's funding or half of us quit, like we're still in it. You're not, if you're part of the 50% that's still in it, you're not alone either. We're in yeah. it with you. And there's going to be people to the left and right of you that are going to continue to do the work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about like too, like all the teachers on the campus, right? We have um, like so many come to mind. Like I think I I, I can pinpoint teachers that would say these exact same quotes. And I've heard them before Mm -hmm. and talking to teachers and trying to figure out like how we can get through this. Um, But I, I think about those really good teachers who are really struggling right now, right? They're struggling to make connections with students and Mm -hmm. it's hard to do over a zoom or through canvas. Right. I I also, what I also think about in, in you're talking, brought it to my mind about teachers leaving. It's like, could you imagine if your first year teaching was last year during this, when we're leaving halfway through, like you're getting your bearings as a first year teacher, to begin with. Right. Oh yeah. And then here you are in March saying, take everything home. <laughs> good you're luck. Gonna, yeah. Good luck. You're teaching on the computer. Right. Like you're, you're trying to figure out how to teach in person. Right. And now you have to do it through a zoom and how are you going to connect with students? And, and then here's your second year right. and you're yeah. still in the same boat. How do we keep them? Yeah. How do we keep those teachers in this profession? It's bad enough, right? Like in, in, in quote, normal, unquote, normal right. times, they're leaving after what, like three to five yes. years. Uh-huh. So how do we keep our teachers in this pandemic? And I think it goes back to what Jen is saying earlier. Like it's a season. Mm-hmm. It's a season and we all need to be there for one another because, again, like you're not alone. Mm-hmm. We will get through this. We're going to get through it. You're not alone. It is seasonal and it's a shared experience. And I feel like when you have a common challenge, then you sort of rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this, I, I honestly believe that educators have shown the world how to lead in a pandemic yeah. because we just do it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to build on top of that idea of, like, we just do it. Because as educators, we're just used to doing what we need to do, right? Like, you mentioned, Veronica, how, Mm -hmm. like, it's just hard. How are we going to keep teachers from leaving the profession? Um, It is hard, but it's 
Like that's what we do. Yes. <laughs> like that's the work of yes. educators. Yeah. Like now is not a time to leave the profession. Now right. is a time for us to come together mm-hmm. to share ideas yes. and resources. And, re- and I say resources because community leaders, for those of you that are hearing this, if you haven't jumped in partnering that's with schools right. before, now is your time to do it. Like now more than ever, schools need you to come to the table and have conversations, have the real conversations about what the needs are in schools. And and let's make a real difference in what's happening in schools. That's how we keep teachers from from jumping ship is by partnering with community, with partnering with the city, partnering with hospitals, partnering with where we know the needs are. But what educators I know are, they're not quitters. That's right. Educators are difference makers. And this is just a hurdle that we're all going through. And I don't say this word because it's what I preach to my faculty. We have to uplift each other. Yes, we need events. We need our support systems and our text messaging and our, all of our other social media platforms to um, to get the support that we need. But at the end of the day, we need to come together. And what we know is truth. And the truth is we are fighters. Mm-hmm. Think about you as a teacher and like what you did your first year of teaching. How many how many of us spent thousands of dollars <laughs> of our oh, money? Take my money. Oh. Make sure. And we weren't even buying like cool stuff that technology cool (laughs) stuff today. We were buying pencils and like colored pencils and paper and like red markers. Yes, the good good marks. Smelly scent markers. No rose art. We were buying all of the things to get our classes started. The only difference now is that those resources are digital, right? Or those resources look a little bit different. Um, But we're fighters like that's what we do as educators there's not a principal that I don't know that doesn't try to do anything in their power to make things happen on their campus like they are innovative they are creative they are resourceful they take trash and make it into like beautiful designs I'm like how did you guys do that um you can't throw anything away no no no. like that's what we do right (laughs) That's what we do. And so right now it's about extending grace to each other and saying to each other, we know it's hard. How can I help you? Because we're in this together and the struggle that you're facing at your school, I'm facing at my school. It just looks different. The kids might be smaller. Their kids might be older or bigger, but the the, the issue is still the same. And so it's about coming together as teachers, coming together as counselors, principals, assistant principals, um, as, as educators and really saying, how can we work together in this? Because we know we're not going to get through it if we don't lean on each other. Mm -hmm. Right. It's that good old song, lean on me. You know, yeah. lean on me yeah. <laughs> when you're not strong. Um, like that's what I am not alone is about to me. And I yeah. think now is a, the best time of ever to like really lean on each other and work off of our strengths and vent when we have to, but then pick up, you know, pick up our boots and move on. And we're going to learn from this. We're going to grow from this. We're going to be better because of it. I have no doubt. Absolutely. Agree. I don't know a better way to end this. Right. <laughs> that was great. I, 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 you know, everything Jen just said, um, we love you. We see you. We know you. We are you. 
And guess what, guys? You, you are not alone. alone. So if you need it, you're not alone. You're not alone. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. I'm Jen Maestas, and you're listening to Miseducation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.